open up. I've got yeah, I got a bunch tickets. of shit. <laughs> hey, hey, boys and girls, hey. ladies and gentlemen, Joe, what's up? Just uh, you know, fighting the good fight. Fighting the good fight. How about you, man? What are you doing, dude? I'm uh, I'm trying to figure out when I'm gonna get a nap in today because I'm about to fucking fall over. But after this, I've got a meeting and blah blah blah. So whatever. Yeah, we'll just put it on mute. Sleep during the meeting, you know. It's a good idea. <laughs> Let them go at it, and if they get too, if people start arguing too much or shit, you'll hear it. Yeah, wake exactly. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I like that. I like that. I'll make my wife listen to it. <laughs> Honey, I know you've been wanting to get more involved in what I do, so here you go. <laughs> Every now and then, just can you say, "Ah, oh, mm, mm. <laughs> hey, got a new Mission DeFi episode up." Uh, Tempest, uh, David Garai. Tempest is a uh, fixed income and yield speculation or yield swap product. Uh, so he and his partner, his partner is the technical. He was an attorney in that market in uh, Japan and somewhere in Europe. I can't remember where. Um, he was an attorney for setting up these um, uh, interest rate swap deals. And he wanted to figure out how to move it into DeFi. So they came up with a model. It's actually pretty solid, um, solid team. They're cranking. And, you know, it's very conservative earnings um, with what they do. But um, I think right now in kind of this bear market, it's got potential. And I also think, um, and we talked about this, that um, he has the potential to tap a lot of institutional contacts he has to come in to this space uh, to get better yields than what they've gotten and to have make it easier for them to do it. So um, interesting. Interesting project all around. Uh, David's a really good guy, smart. Um, really impressed with him and the team. You know, just just uh, all around pretty cool project. So take it up. Take a look. Uh, the token is Temp. Um, the website is Tempus.finance. T-E-M-P-U-S.finance, and you can visit missiondefi.com. And that episode is up. Or if you're you have us subscribed in our podcast in your podcast app, which uh, I hope you do, or on YouTube, um, you can uh, you can listen to it there. And just before you hit play, please go to the Apple uh, App Store, I mean, Apple Podcast Store, and rate and review us, please, if you like what we're doing. If you hate what we're doing, just rant to Joe on Discord, please. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll respond uh, in June. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, no, I'm actually going in a couple times a week now. Just so you yeah, know. no, I know you are. I'm just playing with that. Uh, okay, a, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say in more of the smaller chats. I haven't, uh, you know, yeah, just so much stuff to we've do. We've kind with. of been negligent. Uh, so I uh, tweeted this morning. I said, "Pretty sure token emissions as a long-term play is dead. Only good for initial distributions, treasury build. Uh, real revenue is the way." need to solve this looks like a dividend problem for non and nons, which protocol proves me wrong. And our old pals at Crystal Finance replied, which oh. I thought was really interesting and said, at Crystal Finance, I'm going to go back and check out what's going on. He said, at Crystal Finance, uh, we stopped emissions, set a max supply of 12.5 million, have a sustainable revenue model as a yield maximizer platform. Our token, Crystal, has utility in paying out real dividends, which are funded by performance fees from our vault service, investing automation. So I'm going to go back and take another breeze through Crystal, man. I, I It's been a long time since I've been over there. Yeah, this is it's crystal.finance, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm on it right now. Yeah. Maximize past. They're on Kronos now, too. 
Yeah. Um, well, we you and I you and I did a little ape in there, didn't we? On Carnos? I, I think I you did. did. Yeah, I, I did. Think I, I didn't know if you did or not. No, I sat that one out. Um I don't know why. Lazy. Oh wow, right in our face. Maximized passive income yeah. your way. All right. Listen Go to crypto.com. That's good. That paid off them doing the Kronos thing. Go wild and crystal on ApeSwap. Nice. Nice. So, and, and I will tell you, I had a lot of interactions with those guys for yeah. Doki Doki and some other stuff. And I, I was always impressed how responsive they were. You know, you always kind of hesitate with these kind of second or third tier um, projects. Boutique. 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 Boutique is good. That's awesome, yeah. dude. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, because you just... You don't know. Everybody has an anon name that you're talking to. So you're a little nervous. You know, you're a little nervous about recommending. You don't know what's going to happen. Right. So, yeah. but they've been at this for several months. They continue to kind of drive and work and they work. I, I mean, every interaction I had with them was obvious. They were working their ass off. They had a full team, you know, so, and I like this move. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm impressed. I'm going to go back and give uh, Crystal some more play and take a look at what they have going on with their, uh, uh, their vaults and shit, but uh, you know, pet crystal vaults, maximize your passive income. Earn exponential interest with huge APY on crystal vaults. All right. Earn vaults. There they are. Oh yeah. So they got the, um, the crypto.com coin in the yeah. bunch of pairs. Yeah. Like the 27, 30%. Or 600%. Um, yeah. I see 3,300%. 2250 on VVS, whatever that is, or no, darkencrypto.com, dark crypto, whatever the hell that is, Meerkat LP. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, this is, well, they got, they got, uh, well, 800,000 in there, but you know, that's, uh, that's, that's a place to start, but I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to take a deeper look because I'm, you know, I like the attitude. I think, you know, I think it's indicative of recognizing the market we're in right now and realizing it's smart to be, you know, start playing this correctly and having a revenue model and all of that good stuff. So um, I definitely want to I definitely want to go back and take another look and maybe play around a bit. My experience historically with them has been nothing but positive. Yeah, me so, too. I mean, me they're too. just kind of in that place where they're, you know, with a small amount of TVL. Um, earn up to. 2.3 billion percent APY on Crystal Vaults. Which one is that? What? Earn exponential interest. In oh, that's Crystal. on Kronos. I was Got on. Uh, I was on uh, Polygon. Now I'm on Kronos. Okay. Um, what's the pairing on that? I don't see that. Sort by TVL. Sort by APY. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, whatever V3S VVS is. I'm sure it's a Kronos specific uh, project. I would like to have links whenever they have pairs shown to the projects. Yeah. We'll see you if know. you click. No, can't. V-Share Kronos, Sky Kronos, G-Share Kronos, Dark Kronos, R-Share. Well, those are some D-Gen plays. We're always talking about trying to find more D-Gen plays. Yeah, there you no, go. Yeah, definitely. Man. There's one right there, that 2.35 billion, whatever the fuck V3S and VVS are. And 390 per million percent on vshare and crypto.com. Uh, I'm going to stick. I want that 235, 2.35. Yeah, look at it though. Like the daily's 4.77 on two and a half billion percent interest, and it's 4.25 on 390 million percent interest. 
V3 share is V share, which is ranked 10,891, trading $8.76. Uh, no description. Let me see. Website. Here we go. V3S.finance. V3S.finance. Very, very, very simple finance. <laughs> What's the TVL? 13,000? 13 million. Oh, 13. Uh, First algorithmic um, token on Kronos VVS platform pegged to the price of one VVS via seniorage. I think so. I think VVS is that Kronos stablecoin? I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I haven't done much with Kronos too lately, so probably should take a look at both. Yeah, we should take a look at that again. I mean, have you been following that thing on, um, on Juno? I believe it is where there, there was a whale on there that, um, set up all these sub wallets and game the system and you know it made like 80 yeah. million and he had 120 million lock and they had a governance vote to seize all of his crypto and they just took it today 120 million in crypto from him in a DAO. it's, it's a what it's a, the fuck yeah no it's just like so there's a huge argument going on well and, i guess so yeah so everybody's like oh but he cheated the social contract and everybody else is like well if you fucked up the math that's your problem that is your fucking problem what and the so they fuck? went in and seized all his funds so they stole 120 million from him now that's not going to cause a bunch of fucking wow, hell that's gonna because you well you know he's gonna sue the fuck out of people yeah anybody that's not a non that voted on that shit is gonna fucking regret it because they're gonna get served yeah jesus christ I know. Um, wow. I was just, when you were talking wow. about crypto.com, I started thinking, what was I thinking about wallet? There was a wallet, and then I remembered it was that. Um, okay, so. What's this? <laughs> this? VVS. So V3S is very, very, very simple. simple. DeFi. Oh, great. And VVS is very, 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 very simple. simple DeFi. Yeah, sounds like bullshit. Yeah, and I'm not gonna ape on those fuckers. No, that's just got fucking <laughs> sketchy all over it. It should be but, called sketchy dot finance. But I am definitely gonna check out uh, Crystal's, you know, more standard uh, yeah. blue chip vaults because, again, um, you know, my interactions with them were always extremely positive. So yeah, you know, let's let's. Oh, and what's interesting is though, Crystal has more than double the TVL on Kronos that it has on um, Polygon? Probably because most of your Polygon users already know about a bunch of yield farming opportunities and sites, but think yeah. about Kronos yeah, this and Crypto.com. You got a lot of kind of quasi normies at Crypto.com. How many protocols does Kronos have? I think they got a few. I mean, um, like, you know, more than I think like well, they were incenting the shit out of projects to move over. So let's see. Oh, oh they're number nine right now. Two point four nine billion. Uh, what is it? You look on the oh, I'm on the overview slide. That's the problem. Okay. Forty-eight protocols. What? That's not bad. Yeah. And the TVL is going up two and a half That's billion. Crypt it's CryptoCop.com's chain, right? That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay wow well, you know so the number holy fuck you know the one we were just laughing at very very one? simple finance yeah where are they tvl on that project 1.21 billion 
<laughs> the number one project on Kronos. Wow. What the fuck? I see 1.2 billion. Yeah. Swap see tokens going earn down. high yields and most importantly have fun. What the frick, dude? But the other one below it, MM Finance, is actually growing. You know, they're up. They must have better incentives right now, but they're up like 95% over well, the month. Remember we were talking about smart about jumping into these lower level? Yeah. You can go in and own, man. You can go in and own. Oh, there's V3S. I guess that's the very, very, very simple finance. It's number 10. Jesus. So they launched November 11th at 4.8 million TBL and are now at 2.49 TBL. Yeah, but you know, oh, Crystal's number 14 on that. Wow. Four and a half million. Um, but you know how it works. They're probably, well, if you're cranking out two and a half billion APYs, you know, two and a half billion percent, <laughs> now the that, money flows yeah. there, you know, yeah. for a yeah, while. Yeah, of course. Until it's everybody goes. Oh, well, what's that. interesting though is they haven't had it. They haven't taken. They've maintained it. It's interesting. Since the first, yeah. Well, I wonder if it's because all those crypto.com traders haven't done DeFi before, and this is their only exposure to it. So they're like two point three five billion. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, let's tell them what happens in about a month. <laughs> <laughs> I wish and, I could. I wish I could short yield farmers. <laughs> that would be funny. Man. Yeah. <laughs> like. Pick out like different wallets and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, this guy's going to be uh, fucked. <laughs> this guy's fucked your money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We could start. Can imagine somebody started a site that would bet on the trading skills of people on different sites and like picked wallets out and looked at their investments and then people could bet on like where they were going to end up or that'd be interesting. Yeah, that would be funny. Um, Boy, everybody could go counter all their positions and it becomes self-fulfilling. Yeah, that's true. That's a good yeah. point. That's a good yeah, point. It would be kind of funny to see if you could gang up on a wallet. <laughs> Crowd crowdsource uh MM Finance, short. The first AMM and DEX on Chronos chain that offers fee rebate via trading mining. Fee rebate via trading mining. Yeah, okay, what whatever. Means. That's the number two one, MM Finance. And they've been growing like crazy. Also, MM Optimizer has. It is They're... the most complete and holistic ecosystem on Kronos. And that's something, I guess that's that's <laughs> what they're selling. All right. That's its differentiator. Okay. So they're just a captive audience of you know crypto.com. Which is a nice thing. Yeah. Somebody, uh, what chain launched theirs? LA Token just launched their DeFi platform. Do you? I just I've been getting a whole bunch of emails from them again, trying to get me to do you know, yeah, me speak too. and but you know, uh, maybe there's an opportunity that we were talking about there. Yeah, no, I think well, they also wanted me to kind of come in and invest in some of their plays and sit on one of their VC boards. Uh -huh. But you know, I, I mean, I don't want to say anything bad, but you know, I. I sort of don't, I, I kind of got the feeling they play it pretty fast and loose. From I do too, but I will tell you this. They, they started, what was it? Two years ago they started? I remember them in 2017, 18. Well, I mean, in terms of their content marketing no. approach, I mean, they have, they are friggin' relentless. Like they relentlessly market themselves. They relentlessly create content for projects and for traders I that part of it I'm impressed with. I've never taken a deep dive in like what it's like to trade there, whatever. But 
they're doing what did it say the article i read said they do you know 240 million every 24 hours on the centralized exchange so that's a that's a nice parcel of users to to move into DeFi, right and so anyway i'm gonna take a deeper look on them so uh, i remember one thing i saw yeah i'll do that too but i remember one thing i saw is they talked about you know um on these speaking panel ama things or whatever and they said each one gets no you can go pitch a project and each one i think gets they said 2000 views and i started wondering how many views are we getting what i mean they, yeah. they're saying each one of theirs gets 2000 views one of their and videos like, and i'm going wow we must be doing something good over here <laughs> But maybe we can leverage something else with those guys. Yeah, maybe we bring in more people. So who's going there to watch the videos? My guess is it's, you know, well-to-do normies or right. trade five guys trying to right. get a better handle on what's going on. Yeah. Um, because they're going to all the VCs. And this one I saw too, Bessemer. Yeah. You know, I, I have some, I know some guys there and I've been I thinking a lot. I said you do. Well, so they yeah. launched this, you know, they have a crypto dedicated thing and they're also launching a DAO around it with 250 million. Now they haven't been, I don't think they've been very specific yet on what the DAO is going to be able to do, but I went ahead and submitted the form just to apply to it and see, you know, what it is. But if it's a, you know, there's some opportunity there if it becomes a DAO that uh, has a bunch of product projects in it, has a bunch of startup founders and technology people, and they have $250 million to throw around at projects, right? So mm -hmm. I have no idea if that's how it's going to function, but I'm very interested to see where they take it. Yeah, no, I know. I'm going to find out from my the one main guy I deal with there. There's two, but the main one, he's in more on the healthcare side. But um, who's running this? You know, yeah, definitely reach out and find out what's going on there. Because I'm thinking about that for another project. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Uh, let's see, Crystal. Because when you look at the companies they've started, I mean, they were in Yelp when Yelp had three people they were in linkedin when linkedin had four i mean they're like getting early on these projects that are yeah. you know now just juggernauts um i think it's one of the best uh vc funds out there and in, in my opinion yeah, just yeah because of the stuff they do um but you know so of course with that comes all the usual vc stuff arrogance cockiness and you know, you got to come in through the side door or through someone who's on the board. Right. You know, if you send them, well, I don't know about the Dow one, but it's very, I mean, every, I mean, I remember I never even read a single business plan that was mailed to me or sent to me. I never even looked at them because you couldn't, because you had every friend of yours and everybody else pitching you deals constantly. Sure. You know, people that you trust um, or already know at least. Yeah. And, you know, that they're not going to, it's not like you have to come in and build reputation with someone or figure out their reputation. Exactly. You know them. And so, you know, so when I would counsel people in the past on, you know, if they were going to do that approach with VCs is it's all about the cover. <laughs> That's <laughs> it, man. Everything else is nonsense. Just yeah, the yeah. cover, man, because it's going to be sitting on their desk in a big pile of shit. And then they're going to see that. And so like you say with UIs and websites, you know, the taglines, you know, sync it quick because when they see it, if they say, oh, that might be interesting, and they hand it to an intern and say, read this and tell me if this is interesting. Yeah. You know, but the rest of the stuff just sits there. So, um, you know, it's just hard to come in through the front door on a lot of these. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Well, anyway, I think it's interesting. I went ahead and submitted it, but see yeah. what you find out, you know? No, no. I mean, I'd be curious because now this is a new one. Yep. So it's not, and it's an area that they aren't expert in yet. Yep. So they'll be, I, I bet they're going to respond to it. Um, I don't know what the is hell this my is. 
my guess at this point. Um, but I'll ask around too. Oh, uh, I threw a little shade at Daniel Sester this morning. Just for what the fuck is giggles. he doing, man? I don't. That, well, that, that's exactly what I said. What the fuck mm. are you doing? So I said, so Daniel Sesta is MIA, and I shouldn't have used that term because I didn't actually search to see. I went on Discord and I went on Twitter to see if he had actually made any announcements, said what was going on. The only announcements I could find for him were about the snapshot being up for the rage quit vote and then about the snapshot being up for the whitelisting for the rage quit vote, right? Mm -hmm. So I shouldn't have said he's MIA. I should have said he hasn't made any announcements. So I got called out by that. Uh, Money Crab called me out on it, and he's absolutely right. Um, he's one of our listeners. Um, that I should have been a little uh, fairer to Daniel. But he said, look, he's been, uh, he's been interacting on the Discord, right? So I went in the Discord. I searched on Daniel and found some interactions from him. But my response was, Look, there's been no announcements from, from him or the project about what the plan is going forward. There's been no tweets about what the plan is going forward. The only messages he's made, any comments related to moving forward is, well, we got to figure out how to find a good treasury manager and I got to clean up the Dow. And that was it. And it, there was no, there was no, like, there's nothing concrete. There's no who, there's no when, there's no where, there's no how, there's no... Oh, I'm going to let the Dow figure it out. There's no, hey, let's look at the proposals that the people in the Dow have put up for people that could be managers. I mean, there's some really solid proposals out there. And there's no like, hey, let's put it up for vote. There's no, yes, we should hire an outside firm. There's no plan. And he's just not making it clear what's next, right? So here you are. You got this dilemma. And, and I'm speaking of as from the perspective of what I see as the frogs, the true believers, right? The, 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 the people who love him and Sifu still, right? It's like, what are their options? The, they have to just hope that Daniel really has a plan and he's just not sharing it if they don't rage quit. But to me, if you want your projects to succeed, shouldn't you at least like be taking concrete steps forward? My my suspicion is that he doesn't want. Um, my suspicion is he wants to clean everybody out that isn't a true believer, and he wants to go back to cult status. And I don't mean that in a complete derogatory term. There are a lot of people that respect him. I think he made a lot of great moves. I think Sifu did an awesome job managing the treasury, um, and I think it's sad that he had a past that ended up killing it because he made them money. He made that project money. The reason we can do a rage quit is because of how they built that treasury up. So uh, I have to be fair about those components of what those two did to build this up. But this whole just kind of vacuum of leadership, the only thing I can assume is he just wants everybody to fucking quit that doesn't believe and keep the true believers in. So we'll see. I I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I'm dumping what I have and I'm not, uh, I'm going to take the money. Um, but the W um, memo one, is that the rage quit? Right. So the, it's currently like 26,000. It's going to be, they estimated the rage quit buyout would be 38,000 per WMMO. So, you know, nobody's making profit that bought in the last couple few months, but it's better than getting out with nothing or dumping into the market and uh, driving it down to, you know, a thousand bucks or something. So anyway, money crab, okay. you're right. I should have been a little fairer about the communications and search the discord, but at the end of the day, he's not telling anybody anything. So, well, I think it's also, it's again, past behavior causes people like us to draw conclusions more quickly. 
yeah. than um, exactly and not exactly. go check Discord, let's say, for everything. But yeah, you know, well, I'm like not... I said, I checked the announcements, but I didn't check. Yeah. I didn't check. Uh... So Thorchain's up fourteen uh, percent. Was up like twenty four percent yesterday, I think. Um, they added a whole new set of features, including synthetics trading on Thorchain. Hmm. Um, you know, and I still have never taken a deep dive in it. I had a great call with one of our listeners yesterday. I need to talk to you about later, Joe Mayer. Okay. Um, and he, he was asking me questions about Thorchain. I said, I've done about 10 minutes on Thorchain. What I know about Thorchain is this, uh, Shapeshift, you know, one of the largest kind of swaps that was available pre-DeFi and, mm -hmm. you know, still is. I remember, yeah. Yeah. So founder of that's a big BTC leader. Um, decided to use Thorchain as the, they completely revamped what they do and how they swap. They're using Thorchain as the engine and they completely turned their entire business into a DAO, right? And they bet the whole thing on Thorchain and Thorchain's had some, um, I think they've had a couple of exploits or hacks, um, but um, evidently um, these new features have the market pretty excited because it had a nice run up yesterday in the middle of all the fucking hashing up and down in the rest of the market. So I guess it's time to add that to the list of 45 things I still haven't looked at. Yeah. No, I mean, how do you ever get through it all? I, I can't. Yeah, I know. I don't. Um, stumbled on this really great primer. I sent this link to you, Joe, in the, in the other group. Um, mm -hmm. And it's really cool data analysis. Um, I'm going to put it in the show notes, but a really cool data analysis on you know, this vision of having flat structured DAOs and whether or not it actually works. And basically, you know, the TLDR on this is that um, at the end of the day, there's a few people that may basically drive all the decisions and have all the votes in these flat DAOs and um, people start burning out over time and start um, voting less and taking part less, et cetera. I think there's solutions around that to have flat, but I also like kind of the representative democracy model um, where you can delegate votes and you can have groups and committees and people who are leading different components of the DAO itself um, so that things are concentrated, people aren't waiting around on people to do shit, that kind of stuff. So uh, they're going to be doing another article on kind of structured uh, multi-level, uh, not multi-level, management systems that are applied to DAOs and how well those are working, but interesting. So how does it, I remember when not that consensus is a DAO, but I remember when they started and they were had a flat org structure as well. Um, and then they had to sort of go hierarchical eventually. Yeah. Um, is the, I haven't read the article yet, but is the one that you sent. But are they saying that, you know, like everybody's a direct report to someone or everybody's a direct report to everybody else? In the flat? Yeah. Yeah. So the flat is just everybody can make a proposal. Everybody can vote. You know, there. I mean, now you would assume that in most of these flat ones that there's like the founders who are, say, driving strategy yeah. and people are participating and the founders probably have most of the votes. Right. So that influences it. But, um, yeah, there is no reporting structure, I think, in, for the most part, and how they define it here for flat. Then they said they're doing another report. Their next report is going to be on the data surrounding uh, hierarchical management systems for DAOs. So I'm interested to see where that data comes out, but I love the kind of the data analysis. This was uh, Dane Lund and I'll post a link to it, um, but just very interesting data. So uh, I didn't close out DeFi Llama yesterday and I was looking at the chains and 
I, I noticed good old Stellar. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Over here, right? And um, wait, where were they on the rankings? I forgot now. Shit. There anyway. Around like 38 or 50 or something. Something. I don't know. Anyway, um, in and at the same time yesterday, I saw uh, like a press release that came out. And Stellar... Um, Stellar, I mean, they've only got, so they're way down. They've only got 39.97 million in lock value. But here's the thing. I read this really good blog, this blog post here about it. Uh, one of the founders posted this blog post on why they are now adding smart contracts uh, to their blockchain. And here's the thing. They process a shitload of payment transactions, like a ton. And the only um, DeFi likes shit that's on their network is stuff built by, I believe, the core team or projects related to the core team. And that's because the smart contract stuff is, doesn't exist yet on Stellar. But when you think about, they, what was the numbers here? Let me see what the numbers were for how much, how many, started in 2014. Yep. Um, they have that Western Union partnership. Um so they provide the network for MoneyGram. Uh, uh, evidently, they provide most of the backbone for Circle for large transfers, which is USDC. So they're Speaking actually a part of the Circle USDC infrastructure. Speaking um, of Circle, real quick, you saw that Kathy Woods made an investment in the SPAC that's merging into Circle. or Circle's I didn't even know there was a SPAC merging into Circle. Yeah, or Circle's merging into it or something. Um, oh, yeah, shit. no, she's, she's starting to actually... Uh, she got to get some returns somewhere, I guess. At this point. In 2021, the Stellar Network processed 2 billion operations, 155 million payments from 6.6 .6 million individual accounts. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. And the argument he makes is he says that um, it's kind of like in the 80s when you got like a clunky ass PC and you had to do some math problems you were more likely to really reach for the, the high-end TI calculator that was on your desk than you were for the computer to do that calculation work, right? And his, his analogy is, is that Stellar started as a payments and what they had at the beginning was enough. It, it was plenty that, that they built it for to be a payments network and they made it strong at that, right? High speed, low fees, blah, blah, blah. But making the argument that now, you know, it's time to add smart contracts. It's time to be part of the DeFi ecosystem. They are processing so much money transfers and so many payments that they believe it's important that they now um, be able to leverage DeFi into all that they're processing, which to me makes total sense. Now, yeah. whether they can get a pickup or not, we'll see. Um, I believe it's going to be both EVM compatible and um, web, uh, web assembly compatible. Um, you know, it's impressive. That's eight friggin' years of, of making processing payments and having their blockchain functioning and having a community. So um, anyway, impressive. Uh, I've got to keep an eye on Stellar. Yeah, I used to like them a lot, you know, four years ago. Um, you know, I had a bunch of it and I remember it had a little run up, so I exited. But, you know, their their big play was banking the unbanked back then. Yeah. So I bet those are a lot of small transactions going to Africa, South America. Places oh, yeah, like totally. Which is really a true play on, you know, crypto and decentralization. And yeah, it's banking. the shit we were talking about yesterday. Yeah. So I did see that Cardano is up to 200 million in TVL, evidently. Oh. But I, you know, I always liked Stellar better than Cardano, to be honest. Um, yeah. Better team of people. I thought, um, 
I don't want to say humble. That's not the right, right word. It's but not an not. academic circle jerk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I do see that they're just ahead of secret, you know, on the chains. They're at 46 and secrets at 47. We talk about them a lot. Yeah. Or occasionally. Um, but yeah, no, I'm glad to see that. I'm glad Here's to see the that. LA chain launch. Uh, it is an Ethereum. It's a, is it an EVM? It is an EVM uh, network. And what I read in the article was that they are actually trying to treat this like a hub. And that's actually a pretty smart play for, for a centralized exchange is to be a cross-chain hub, right? Because they already have the infrastructure for that. They already have all the tokens on their centralized exchange. They can provide the liquidity for either side of the bridging between chains, and they can probably make it pretty fast and seamless. Technically, I don't know what they're doing underneath, underneath the hood, but I it, it seems like a smart move if you're going to launch a chain at this point because it's going to be hard just to compete on standard DeFi. So might as well leverage your existing customers and then see if you can leverage some DeFi with a, with a nice bridge or a nice cross-chain capability. So anyway, this to me is uh, one of the biggest pieces of news of the week. Um, and that is Stripe launching yesterday in partnership with FTX. Um, the ability for crypto businesses to use their platform. Okay. This is not stripe accepting crypto yet but what this is is saying to exchanges decentralized exchanges whatever if you want to onboard people with credit and debit cards you can now do it you are accepted now this is only united states and japan to start but to me this is big fucking news number one stripe makes it so easy for developers to integrate like it's like a no-brainer they are so good at that. That was their entire foundations of their system was making it easy to integrate. They have a KYC system. They have a set up your own company system. They have full subscription systems. Their, their product line is covers every finance e-commerce situation that anybody could want. Crowdfunding capabilities, all kinds of shit. So to me, it's a brilliant move by Stripe. It's a smart move by FTX to partner with them because now FTX is going to hand off all of their KYC, all of their merchant and credit card processing, all the fraud detection, everything that FTX has had to deal with from a cost perspective, yeah. hands off to Stripe and they just pay the standard fees that Stripe charges anyway, right? This to me is a, this is a really big move because this gives crypto businesses legitimacy and they specifically talk about not just centralized exchanges. They talk about... DeFi, they talk about NFTs, they talk about, I mean, this gives every DeFi and NFT project that wanted to be able to accept credit cards that's based in the United States or Japan can now do it. Hmm. And so, I mean, I'm sure they have some like, you know, approval process like you would for any uh, merchant account on Stripe. But my experience with working with Stripe has been absolutely unbelievable. And I've been using them for from the very beginning of when they started. It's just... Um, this is a really awesome move for crypto because the other part of this is, is that Stripe has to get the approval of Visa and MasterCard and everybody else to start onboarding this shit, right? The, the banks that Stripe has to deal with have to say, yeah, it's okay. You can do this. You can start processing this shit. We'll accept this. So that's really huge. Just really, really a big deal. Um, and, you know, I saw it got coverage this week, but to me, this is probably one of the biggest news items of the last couple of weeks. So any, it's huge. So I, so anybody can show up, you know, we talk a lot about how in our USDT discussions, how, you know, when people come to a new exchange and they want to buy crypto, they're usually buying with a credit or debit card. Right. And 
usually buying USDT at that point out of the gate. Right, right. So and we talked to some other discussions with other people, friends of ours, about the ability for people to come in and buy tokens with a credit card. Right. Um, you know, a separate business from the, the mainline business yeah. so that you're not running into those issues. Does this take that issue away now? Yeah. Okay. This, this allows that, you know, all of the other wonky credit card, debit card solutions that have Moonbeam and others that have been on the system. The beauty of this is Stripe also has millions and millions of credit card users already KYC. Yeah. Right. They're already connected to their bank account. They're already connected to their credit card account. They don't have to do all that work. Right. And the way they integrate with shit is so seamless. It's so beautiful. I, if you've ever integrated Stripe with something you're using, a shopping cart or anything else, it's it's really elegant. Easy. They optimize on interface. They're really good at optimizing interface and getting people to go ahead and finish the transaction. They provide awesome reporting. This to me is really huge news. Like all of the major projects should be immediately signing up for Stripe. Olympus, Alchemix, all of them, because this opens the gateway to the next thing and what we talked about yesterday, which is getting these fucking protocols into the real world, right? This makes this possible. That's why we talked about Binance yesterday, buying all these traditional finance companies and these fintech companies is because they want to per penetrate from a regulatory perspective. It's really important for us to penetrate those markets as well. This makes it so much easier. Just this is... To me, this is gigantic news. Now, as soon as Stripe starts taking crypto and they essentially become like an onboarding exchange, then shit's really going to get real. And they've already said that they're going to go back. They used to take Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. uh, they used to allow merchants to take Bitcoin or credit cards through the Stripe interface. They stopped doing it because of the fluctuation in prices. But, you know, they, if they just add a stablecoin acceptance model, that changes the game completely. You know, our trading tools company, Material Indicators, we use Stripe for our processing. Right now though, I have to process crypto separately through, a, through another provider. Well, if I could have it all in one, please. Yeah. Frigging awesome. So anyway, I'm very excited about this. I think this is huge. I think this legitimizes shit. Stripe is the biggest player in kind of the developer oriented merchant account space. Um, they do business right. They run their company right. They have a, a whole swath of other products that are amazing and can help all of these projects do all kinds of other things. It's, uh, it's really, it's pretty powerful. Yeah, that looks cool. All right. That's everything on my list, Joe. You got stuff? I got a couple of things. Um, I will surrender. All right. Let's see what we got here. Hold on. I think this was from yesterday, but um, I didn't get to it. Uh, Singapore-based Cake DeFi launches $100 million in capital for a venture arm uh, across Web3, Metaverse, NFT space, gaming, esports, FinTech. Nice. So, you know, another one, and they manage, looks like a billion in customer assets on TVL. is what it looks like to me, liquidity, mining, staking, and lending. Um, and the co-founders of the firm are, are leading it. So, you know, anybody that's doing anything in Singapore, these would definitely be guys to, to, people to get, get in touch with. Yeah. One of the, when I did work there years ago, you know, you come in through like the economic EDB economic development board, and we had some political connections too, Yeah. but you know, once you're in with that first meeting, I mean, everybody knows you're there. So, <laughs> you know, we were doing, um, some life sciences deals. And so there were like six venture funds that did life sciences. 
and there was like six that were doing, you know, internet-y related start IT type stuff. Right. So I guess it's kind of, there's probably another group there that's doing, you know, FinTech, um, a whole bunch and they all coordinate through EDB and, um, and the two sovereign funds, um, Tomasek and GIC. And, you know, it's, you know, Singapore is a massive innovation hub. And, you know, I remember when I was sitting in this meeting at Tomasek, I was looking down at the port and I could see people down there with like, what looked like, you know, Windex and paper towels cleaning the containers. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? Cause you would never see that in say Jersey or somewhere. Oh yeah. You know, it's like, it's just <laughs> trash everywhere. Not I'm exaggerating, but it doesn't sure. look like a doctor's office. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, anything there in port, they do, they're a big discipline of um, Philip Porter and, you know, continuous innovation, continuous innovation. And that's what they've differentiated on. So, and they're also crypto friendly um, yeah. in, in a lot nuanced ways. Um, so I have a couple of people that we've worked with in the past have relocated there. Um, I think if anybody's looking to do something uh, in Southeast Asia, this is where you go um, yeah. to, to find capital. That was one thing. Um, then this one, I didn't really get a chance to read this whole article. This is a couple of days ago. Um, DeFi detective alleges this suspicious smart contract code may put dozens of projects at risk. They can. Oh, pull... I saw that. Did I you didn't see dive this? In, but I didn't dive into it. 31 NFT projects may be at risk. Um, published on Twitter, this guy, DeFi Detective. Um, somebody ties into this 197 Ether theft. Um, I guess it Fester Lab. But there's some issue in there. Um, let's see. Can never be truly renounced or transferred. Only an additional owner. Original player will always be considered the owner. Which means that they still have the private key of the deployer. They can pull the money, even though the owner has the null address. So, you know, something for people to, it's kind of over my head as far as that. But, you know, I just keep all my NFTs in like one place and hope they're still there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, otherwise you worry the shit out of this stuff constantly. Uh, nonstop, nonstop. You know, I don't know. Have you done anything on Paraswap? Uh, uh, during the whole... Um... Was that where I did the snowbank shit? I think so. I don't remember, man. Because they wasn't Paraswap the one that had limit buys? I think it was. Or limit sells and buys. I'm pretty sure it did. Yeah, I don't remember. But anyway, what's the news? Um they're, they're doing airdrops in a different way. Um, actually, somebody's gonna have to remind me what this article says, but uh, <laughs> it'll probably be in the show notes. Um, but basically, you know, we're all <laughs> We're always just trying to find the latest thing for everybody to kind of think about when they're doing new models. But here's uh, how the biggest news in DeFi this week was the Paraswap airdrop. It was rigged. Some said it was bugged and still there said it was a stroke of genius. But no matter how you slice it, the drop was a game changer. Here's why. The huge part of the latest bull run has been dotted with various exciting airdrops. The most common format for distribution has been the so-called retroactive airdrop. With just a few minor variations, the mechanism essentially gives free coins to any and all users who used a protocol. When Uniswap, blah, 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 where is it? Uniswap's example, everyone and their mother came early adopters, speculation spawned, trend took a turn. Come on, can we get to the fucking meat of it? And then Paraswap's airdrop. Everyone rushed to their wallets to check if they had been airdropped any of that valuable crypto responsibility. But this time things were different. 
crypto Twitter erupted with users claiming they should have been given money since they were active users after all. After all, in some, everyone is asking, why not me? Where's my PSP? Paris Pop responded with, why should a random whale who came one day before the snapshot date to swoop 1,000 ETH at once get more tokens than the average user making frequent one to five ETH swaps on Paraswap for more than two years? The team took the time to redefine what a real community member would be instead of ex simply exchanging fleeting public approval for money. So sounds like they gave the money to the little guys and didn't give the money to the big guys that only showed up once or twice. Yeah, Which I see. You they had a, yeah, so in like a whitelisting type situation for, you know, active users. That's awesome. Um, versus just waiting as to yeah. who shows up with the most. Nah, that's um, fucking awesome. I've heard a lot. I, you know, I haven't done a lot with them. I, I did know actually, because I remember we were talking about them getting ready to do an airdrop. Yeah. And um, and I remember I did a few trades on it and then I went to see what my airdrop was and it was nothing. And yeah. I didn't really care because I know I'd only use it once or twice. Right. And it wasn't, you know, I certainly wasn't trading five ETH in there um, type things. But, um, you know, it was kind of one of those things where I was like, oh, wow, not everybody. But that's the way you want it because you don't want the issues of, you know, the gaming uh, of the system. Um, I thought this was interesting, too, um, talking about a lot of Russians liquidating crypto in UAE right now. Um, you know, they kind of, you know, UAE plays, you know, they play everybody, basically. Um, so and they're, you know, crypto friendly. I mean, think Dubai, Abu Dhabi, those places. Um, but I guess a lot of, you know, they have a lot of, um, you know, Iranian front companies there, too. So, you know, and a lot of U.S. companies have moved there for no taxes purposes, um, particularly some of the energy companies and groups that feel like, you know, they're under assault in the U.S., you know, from the for climate issues. Um, so, you know, they kind of are sort of the Switzerland of, you know, the Persian Gulf, I guess. But, you know, so there's a lot of talk about people. Like, I don't know how you would ever stop it. And again, um, you know, I think that someone... Let's see, we've been seeing a lot of Russians and even Belarusians coming to Dubai and bringing whatever they can bring, even in crypto. I mean, look, that's kind of like, you know, if you don't if you don't think that they're closest to us, then you're making a very big mistake <laughs> because, sure. you know, the amount of, um, uh, you know, remember they did the deal with Israel. So, you know, you've got a lot of Israeli groups in there now, too. Um, so, you know, you don't think that this is all, you know, Israel, Israel plays every all sides too. Um, so I'm sure it's similar to that. Yeah. Um, you're not going to, I mean, I was, that's why I was so surprised when Switzerland went and enforced sanctions because they usually are, you know, like this. Um, but now it looks like um, now Germany and Estonia are getting on UAE to kind of shut down any loopholes that could allow the sanctions busted. But to me, this is a minor issue. Yeah, of course. Um, I don't look at it as a, as a big thing. Like this is the Bessemer stuff. This was the stuff about Juno, and it talked about um, it was actually 130 million that they seized, and so basically the problem was that this guy was had his stuff vested in a 28 day vesting vault, and didn't have it just you know in a vault where you could just yank it, and so they came in and locked his wallet and had a vote and emptied his vault. Yeah. So this is something to do more research on, um, but that's about it. That's what I had today um i'm good man yeah let's let's roll because i got a bunch of stuff to do too yeah i gotta um, get another call the nap you said nap yeah, no i wish i gotta get that other fucking call all right man the call of well, misery hey uh have a great day i like that 
I like that background you got there. That's pretty. Which one? That oh, this. Flattering yeah. paint thing. All right, man. Have a lovely weekend, a lovely day. I'm sure I'll talk to you before Monday. Everybody, I hope everyone here has a wonderful weekend. Enjoy your life, your family, your friends. Get off a computer for 10 minutes. Um, thank you for yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, we love you guys. And please, if you get a chance, you like what we're doing, rate, review us, tell your friends about us on Apple Podcasts or on YouTube. Every little bit helps us grow. So thank you very much. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, everyone. Have a great have a weekend. Great, have a great afternoon, Joe. Catch you All later. Right, buddy. You too. Have fun on the next call.